All right. So episode 54 was with Nick Sorrell. And I kind of feel like we are kindred spirits. We sort of have similar like backstories, similar way of seeing things. We like a lot of the same music. Honestly, sometimes I'll watch his Insta story. He'll post a song and I'll look at it and I'll be like, hell yeah, I like this one too. And that's how I uh, find my new music. I mean, ironically, most of it is already in my playlist, so that works out. He did a presentation at the fitness summit that I went to recently. And it was cool because I already had a bit of context on him from my friends Dean and Andrew, uh, their, their podcast, The Fitness Devil. So I knew a bit about him, but like when he was presenting, I sat in the front because I was like, I'm going to like this. And he was so hard on himself with his presentation. Like I could be better. I could be better. And I still thoroughly enjoyed it. But at the same time, I can, I can kind of relate to that whole uh, closure of you finish something up. And rather than gloating in what what you did great, you're thinking of how you can improve. It's that whole self-improvement mindset. And it's usually ingrained in you from past experiences, times of being complacent, which we talk about. We talk about a uh, 16-year-old version of him. And we talk about uh, past stumbling blocks and victories, moments of frustration, weakness, and joy, and all the things could have made this one longer but we wanted as many people to listen as possible so we kept it to that one hour time frame make sure to look him up on social media because uh we barely pumped his tires enough he he is quite the individual in the fitness industry he's up to a lot of great things hope you enjoy welcome to the lifestyle chase This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. So, welcome to episode 54. 54 of the Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by Nick Sorrell. So, how are you doing and did I say your name right? Yeah, Nick Sorrell. Yeah, man. uh, you're, You're the only one who have ever like gone on and done one of these with they got it right the first time so congrats yes <laughs> um but yeah 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 you killed it no i'm doing good man how are you i'm good so what was your routine like today like what what do you start your day off with and what what's something that you can't go without in any day oh okay so i actually am probably like the inverse of a lot of people you might talk to in so far as like I try to keep my mornings as chill as possible. So I give myself plenty of time to kind of get going and stuff like that rather than like jumping up and immediately having like a cup of coffee and immediately reading for 25 minutes with a five minute rest and 25 minutes again or something like that. You know, I just kind of wake up and give myself time to get going because I I usually don't have anything that's like, you know, one o'clock I have to have this done. So I give myself time to naturally kind of get going. That's really what I like kind of thrive on. Whereas if I try to throw myself into things real early in the morning, like I just, I don't know, like I lose something. So I try to get momentum early in the day. Yeah. That makes sense. So what, what's your like work routine yeah, for yeah, like yeah. weekdays? So usually I guess to give you an idea is like, usually I'll wake up around eight or nine. Um, 
at that point, uh, I'll eat breakfast and I'll kind of, for some, like, I just like to kind of chill and give myself time to wake up. So a lot of times I'll actually like watch like, I don't know, like sports clips or something in the morning, like sports news stuff, ESPN stuff or whatever. Uh, or I guess like, what is it? TSN up there. Um, I'll watch those kind of do that. Then I'll usually read for a little while just because like reading things kind of does get my mind going, even though I just made fun of it a second ago. Um, and then usually around 11 or so is actually when I start working. So I start working fairly late. Um, at that point, I lead off with whatever is like the most important task of the day. So the night before I always have, I do use like the, have you ever heard of the, uh, productivity planner? Yep. Yeah. 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 So I use that. Uh, so I always start with the most important task that way if nothing else, even if the whole day goes to shit, you know, I know I got like the most important thing done. And it took me a while to realize, but like, I'm far more productive if I do three to five, like very precise things each day, rather than like a laundry list of shit. Um, so I'll do the most important thing. Uh, then I'll kind of switch gears and do the second or, and third, or maybe just the second most important thing, at which point I'll work out if I'm working out that day um, and eat lunch or whatever, kind of give myself a mental break. And after my workout and after my lunch, I'll kind of get started on the second you know, the back half of the day. Now, keep in mind, for me, this is usually around like three, four, five o'clock. So my schedule is a little bit later than a lot of people's. Um, and whether I get done three tasks a day, four tasks a day, five tasks a day, um, like that's kind of what I condense my schedule down to, which may not seem like a lot. Um, but I just found like, if I do a few tasks really, really well, then by the end of the week, I get a lot of stuff done really, really well rather than having to, cause I used to try to do like, I used to be like real caught up in that more is better, like Gary V type mentality and try to get done as much shit as possible. But after two or three days, I'd just be wrecked and I wouldn't do anything for like two days, you know? And I realized it was just like, I might get the same amount of stuff done, but it would just not be good quality. So, so that's kind of like my workflow more or less. Yeah. I like it. So there's a book that I read, and I can't remember the title, but it alludes to the zone of genius versus the zone of excellence. And the zone of excellence being things that we are good at, and we just we kind of take it for granted, and we can kind of become complacent because it just comes easy. And then zone of genius mm. is in yeah. our like discomfort area, like something that uh, takes a bit of a risk or like kind of it sucks to do it, but that's when we're really fulfilling our potential. So when was a yeah. time that you came across that like from transitioning from your zone of excellence to your zone of genius oh okay okay so so throughout my career um so i i got into fitness when i was like 21 i guess uh i, I played sports all, all throughout high school which you've listened to other stuff i've been on so I, i'm probably broken record right now but for those of you who don't know, I met a girl right after high school. I played sports and was active and all that stuff, but despite that, I was overweight. Met a girl I really liked. She didn't like me. So to try to get her to like me, I got into fitness and I lost 100 pounds. Turns out she still didn't like me, uh, but it didn't really matter, I guess, at that point. Like, I had kind of transitioned from doing it for her to doing it for me. And, um, and in that process, I realized that, like, I kind of fell in love, quote unquote, with, like, fitness and I don't think I was so much in love with fitness as I was in love with the idea of like how it, how it made you feel like doing something and accomplishing something and like progressing. So I got real lucky a bunch of times really early in my career uh, with jobs that I had no business having. 
I just got really lucky, like multiple times. And each of those multiple times, I didn't really fulfill my potential. I didn't, I tried hard, but I just didn't, I didn't do as well as I know. In retrospect, I know I could, I could have. Um, and after a while, I started to realize like, I had like, I don't know, like a light bulb moment where I realized like, like, bro, like, cause I've been lucky so many times in my life, bro, you're only going to get lucky so many times. And you don't know how many times that is, whether, you know, it, they keep coming and your last lucky break is when you're 50 or maybe my last lucky break comes when I'm like 28, like your last genuinely lucky break. I was like, imagine how much you're going to hate yourself if you fuck up that last lucky break and you never get another. For the, for the rest of your life, you're going to know that you wasted it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So in 2016, yeah, in 2016, I got brought on to help with a uh, marketing consultant named Slavon Blanco. He had a, a company working with a few different brands, and that was a lucky break that I got because he was wildly successful at the time. And uh, that was a, right about the time was when that light bulb came on. I was like, dude, I'm not wasting this opportunity. Um, and I didn't. So that was really when... I shifted from that zone of excellence, like you mentioned, to that zone of greatness where even though I didn't want to do certain things, I forced myself to because I knew that like I would hate myself if I wasted it. And it was the last time I got lucky. That's awesome. I like that. So that's you know. So we're gonna yeah, 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 yeah. jump in the time machine here. Go to what life was like for you when you were like sixteen. Um, what was, what was your routine like then? Uh, How did you reflect on yourself? Things like that. Okay. So when I was 16, so like right in the middle of high school, um, I, I've always kind of like been pretty good at a lot of things, but not like great at anything, you know, like one of those guys. And, um, so in high school I played sports and I was like pretty talented, but I was like, out of shape constantly um i also acted so i was like in drama and theater and all that stuff and i did fairly well at that uh and i was like naturally smart so whereas i did none of my homework i passed on my test so i was able to kind of skate through high school in that regard um so high school 16 specifically for me was a lot of like getting by on just being pretty good at everything and but but also simultaneously being very 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 lazy like like trying to figure out ways to skip football conditioning. So like a lot of us would like join track and field during the spring, uh, the spring season. That way we didn't have to do conditioning. Uh, it was a lot of me like skipping homework and stuff like that. It was a lot of me doing just enough to get like cast for a part in a play. Um, but not actually ever learning my lines just like, but I was good at improv so I could make it funny anyway. Uh, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of like skating by and, just relying on, I don't know, people liking me or something like that, which sounds like narcissistic, but it's actually not at that point because it held me back a lot. You know, I was coddled because of it. So that was kind of my routine in high school. It was a lot of like waking up and telling my mom I was sick and didn't want to go to school, but I wasn't sick and stuff like that, you know? Like, mom, my stomach hurts, you know, and I'm fine, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So if you came across someone who is like 16 years old now doing the exact same things, do you think you would uh, want to change how, how they're doing, how what their outcomes are, or would you just leave them be? I don't, so that's so hard. Like if, if, I, if I could go back and talk to my 16-year-old self, I would definitely try to like change his 
perception of things because like while I turned out okay, while I eventually did thank God have like the light bulb moment soon enough, um there were so many other opportunities that I could have like gotten more out of, but I didn't. If I'm talking to like just a bunch of sixteen year olds though, I think it kinda changes things because I don't think I was like necessarily the normal sixteen year old. I think people a lot of times like are very much on one end of the spectrum or the other in terms of like they try very, very hard, maybe too hard. Uh, or they just don't, they try less than I did, but they also couldn't get away with it in terms, whereas I could. So I think if I was talking to 16 year olds, I'd just be like, I think I would just talk to them about like not wasting it. You know what I'm saying? Like whether it's sports or whether it's, you know, uh, your, your academics or whether it's just like, being in the moment or whether it's going to college, like whatever it is, like just don't waste it. You know, if you're going to do it, don't waste it. Like if you're going to take out loans to go to school, like don't waste it. If you're not going to take out loans, you're going to do like the, what do they, what do they call it? Like a, a skip year or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, like don't waste that. Go out and make yourself better. Don't like sit around and jerk off and play video games for a year and think that's going to like help you some way. I like that. Do you have three mentors that kind of stand out to you in your life right now? Uh, like in terms of people I can know people, people that it doesn't matter if you know them personally, it's just, they have a big impact on your day to day. Okay. So let me think, um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know who mentors cause that changes a lot, but I, I will say like three people that have impacted me a lot, uh, genuinely in high school my drama teacher of all people uh when i first started taking drama it was so when i was in middle school me and my friends used to like one of my friends had like a home like video recorder or whatever and we would like make like movies or skits or whatever and stuff like that so i was like really into the idea of acting in my head when i joined high school or went to go into high school you get to pick like two electives as a freshman so everybody picks pe as one of course and then you kind of like find another one that's probably easy like you know pottery or something like that uh but i chose drama and because i didn't i thought it'd be cool when first day of school though because all my friends are football players they're like we're comparing schedules and everybody's like oh dude you're in drama you know i'm like yeah and they're like uh like oh man that's you know gay or like whatever you call it back then you know uh and i'm like oh dude yeah like i, I don't know how it got in there like that's crazy like i'm so mad you know even though i chose it you know um so I went and switched out of the class, but the way my school worked was you have like, even if you switch your class, you still have to go to it for like three days. I guess there's like a processing period or something. So I go to it for three days and I'm like all mad and I think I'm too cool for the class and whatever. My drama teacher comes in and she immediately gets everybody involved. It's like just the way she teaches, like everybody's doing everything at the same time. And that was the first time that I realized that like I was funny or that like, you know, like that I liked that stuff. And by the end of the three days, like long story short, I realized that like I I had fallen like in love with that class. Like not only was it like a fine class, like it was something I genuinely looked forward to. It was something that, you know, whereas I always was trying to skip school that made me want to go to school. Um, So at the end of the three days, I like just kept going to class. And then like the same thing happened, like they come to me like, like Nick, you're supposed to be in this class. I'm like, oh, I never changed my class, that kind of thing. Uh, but my my drama teacher was one of the first people that really heavily impacted me because she taught me like the importance of being able to, like to stand tall and to say something and to own what you're saying and to believe in what you're saying and stuff like that. She's the first person that really impacted me that way. Um, 
after that, I would say like another big impact in my life was like that guy Slyvon Blanco. He's a or he was a like marketing consultant, and he taught me a lot about like because I like a lot of people. I was in the fitness industry, like you are. Um, I guess I still am. Uh, a lot of them think there's like a secret to like making sales and stuff like that. And he, he would always harp on just like being honest and taking care of people and like putting the customer first and having values and all this other stuff. And that was stuff that stuck with me like to, or has stuck with me like to this day in terms of just taking care of people, like giving, treating people how you'd want to be treated as cliche as that is. Like it's super cliche but it's so hard to do for a lot of people. Like, and I was one of them whenever there's like a dollar attached to it, you know? So he had a really big impact on me. Um, outside of that, it's always like, it's always like whoever I'm into, like who I'm learning from at the time, like whether it was in the, in the past, it was like Jordan Peterson, which I know is like, like bad for the brand now, but like, uh, based on like public perception and stuff like that, or like Carl Jung or like, uh, Back in the day when I was really into fitness, it was like Ben Bruno and Nate Green and stuff like that. So there's like this like cyclical thing of like who I'm learning from at the time. A lot of times they're not people I know. Um, and what's cool is like some of those people I've met since, but like and like have developed relationships with since. But like a lot of times it's like someone I don't even know who I'm just like following from afar and learning from and like cleaning things from. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. it be an artist, or author. Yeah. It's a, yeah. You probably work similarly. Yeah. Totally. What stands out to you about yeah. a guy like Ben Bruno? So at the time, I really liked. I really so I, when I when I first got into fitness, I as a profession, I followed the kind of the same people as everybody does, like uh, Mike Boyle and Eric Cressy, and that kind of bled over into like Ben Bruno and uh, Tony Gentilcore and people like that. I really liked Ben Bruno because I guess he was like just a little younger, so the way he presented things was a little bit more digestible for me. But I also really liked, and I still do, although he doesn't like have as much of a presence as he used to in terms of like uh sharing content and stuff like that uh i really liked how creative he was with things you know like uh like he would take an exercise and produce a variation which was like completely unique it was just him being creative and i always really liked i always liked people trying things that like were contrary to uh i don't know what was being done i'm reading a book right now called alchemy by roy sutherland and he has a chapter in that book called like the opposite of a good idea can still be a good idea. And uh, that always kind of stuck with me. So like how, so Ben Bruno would take these exercises that were perfectly fine and do something else with them that like seemed like very contrary, but was that, but whenever he got them out, we were like, Oh fuck, that's a good idea too. That's a good way to do it also. You know? So I really, I really liked Ben Bruno for that, that reason. Yeah. I like, I like his delivery and just his way of making things more, achievable for people and how he like explains it and describes it so yeah yeah he's very like low pressure yeah totally we we are both big fans of nf why what is your reasoning for Mm -hmm. uh why nf stands out for you so i've always been like So, like, uh, I, like most people, have, like, had parts of my life that are, like, very difficult, you know? Um, Like, a lot of pain attached to them and stuff like that. And, and like, that's – and for the longest time, like, they're, like, things you want to run away from because they're painful. Um, 
and especially in today's society, like people try to run away from the painful things, like like whether it's like um, someone realizing they need to re- they need to leave the relationship because the relationship is shitty, or like you know the fat kid that is told that they're okay because they're fat, but they're unhappy because they're fat. You know what I'm saying? Like like things can be painful and still okay, and things can be bad and still okay and stuff like that. And a lot of times, like those things are like what drive change. So like how I met that girl. She didn't like me, and I realized, like, oh, fuck, like, this sucks. Like, I can change this. Like, well, I'm, well I haven't done I really like NF because he talks about, like, the painful parts of his life and how he's kind of built from it anyways. How and, and also, like, how, like, he's not, like, fixed. You know what I'm saying? Like, he constantly harks back on, like, like how he still struggles with shit, even though he's, like, wildly successful now and, like, quickly growing and stuff like that. Um, I really like that he talks about, like, that nasty shit that no one else talks to. But not necessarily in a way that like is demeaning or like painting it to be like a bad thing or like need like some people get too needlessly caught up in it. You know what I'm saying? Like they start to be let it they start to let their pain or their depression or their anxiety or whatever define them. Whereas he talks about it and then tries to he he like presents it with like a semblance of hope attached. You know what I'm saying? That's that's really what I like about him. That, I think it's why his shit is so fucking powerful too, and like raw and stuff like that. And that's why you listen to an NF song and you get hype. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Totally. Not because like, oh fuck, I love depression. You're like, oh, like it's okay. You know, like I could be strong anyway. Yeah, I completely agree. So that's that. Yeah. Why do you like him? I know because I know that's something we've we've talked about before. Uh, yeah um so for me with nf it's a lot of the similar things like what really got me into the fitness industry was i got dumped and so i just was like okay i have control over what i can do to to get in shape and to change my life so i took control and there's plenty of times when i've been in like a, a dark space and maybe like everybody's dark time is different but it doesn't invalidate anybody else's and so I find NF to be really relatable, right. gets me really fired up, gets me thinking the right way because it's, you got to accept your dark moments and like make the most of it and be able to like understand and articulate yeah. what it is, where you are, what you're going through. And I find that he does that really well. Yeah. 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 I totally, I totally agree. It, I didn't know that the dump thing is what had been your thing too. It's crazy because so many people were like shit on that. But, oh, it's a girl. It should be for that reason. Blah, 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 blah. But, like, if that stuff didn't matter, like, 70% of songs wouldn't be about a girl then. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like if something hits us, like, hits you somewhere deep, it's as real as anything else, you know? Well, and it's with so emotions. Cool. Emotions are meant to be felt. Like, so when you're mad, you're meant to be mad. When you're yeah. sad, you're meant to be sad. And when you're happy, you're meant to be happy. Yeah. And people stray away from, from feeling yeah. that. So yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get you to uh, try and think of three moments that you're comfortable with sharing that you were in a dark spot and how you climbed out of that dark spot. Okay. Um, so the first one that comes to mind is um, back from like so. I guess actually I can just go in chronological order. So the first time was like the time that uh, the girl I really liked her right after high school. And she was like one of the first times that I really, really wanted something and I wasn't able to just skate by and get it. Whereas like with school, with athletics and girls in high school, 
I just, I don't know. I didn't have to try. Like, which sounds, I swear, it sounds, I feel egotistical saying it, but like, it's just the case, but in a bad way. Um, I'm with this girl. I really liked her. She did like me. And that, that put me into a really bad place. It was the first time I felt like helpless, you know, and that freaked me out, I think. Um, like, I couldn't talk my way out of it and I couldn't just like do something, like produce some sort of action that would just fix everything. Um, and that did put me in a really dark place. Now, luckily, it was dark enough of a place to change something that I had never followed through with in the past. Um, that led me into the fitness thing. A few years later, though, so maybe that's the first one. Uh, a few years later, though, so that was probably in like 2010, 20, like 2009, 2010, maybe bleeding over in 2011. Around 2013, 2014, um, I'm three or four years deep in my fitness career at this point. And I was, I was in a good place of my career, uh, but I was, there's a, like, oh, okay, I remember like, so I was dating another girl at the time named Amy, and there was a night, I was living on campus at the time in college, and she, she and I had been dating for about a year, and I was very, very serious about her, and she, I, you know, she was serious about me, I thought, and I like, catch her like cheating on me. I catch her like in the in bed with another guy, and like uh, that caused a downward spiral, leading to about a week later. Whereas I was always watching what I ate, I decided just to like unload. Uh, so I remember like ordering like because on campus like Papa John's would stay up until like three a.m. and stuff like that, and deliver to your dorm room and everything. And which <laughs> I guess well, I thought was nice, but in retrospect, you know, I wish it had, hadn't been the case. I order like all this food and all this other stuff. Um, and I'm sitting there just gorging my face off, just eating my feelings away, you know? And I eat to the point of like being like, like painfully sick, which I'm sure a lot of people have done like at Thanksgiving or whatever. You see way too much. You're like, Oh my God, I wish I didn't do that. But because I was like so emotional now, and because I was also in the fitness industry at the time I started, you know, like, Oh man, like, I just ruined all this progress I had, you know, made like, I'm going to wake up and be the fat trainer or whatever, you know? And I was like, I just wanted to go away. And for some reason it came to my head, like, bro, I'm just gonna go throw it up. So I went to the restroom and like, I purged for the first time ever. And it was weird because like, it was in a really dark place and I did it and it was easy. Like, and I know this is morbid, but like, you know, I stick my fingers in my throat and, Everything came up so easy, and it was like nothing ever happened. And it, I swear, it's it's hard to explain, but it was it was almost like a euphoric moment. It was like, and I that and that's I think that's how people get trapped in those disorders. But I was like, oh fuck, like I feel so much. I was able to do this, eat my feelings away, then just throw it all up, and it's like I'm fine. I came out no worse for wear. That led to like a year or two of like what developed into like chronic bulimia. There was like a a, a patch where I would like purge, so like binge and purge like two or three times a day and what had started as being something very very easy um ended up becoming something very very hard but because you become so addicted to it you you just do it anyway so the first time was easy by the by like by the end of it you know and it's graphic but like i remember having to use like a like a spatula handle to like trigger my gag reflex because my gag reflex had like uh adapted you know I remember my throat always being raw and all this other stuff. And the same thing, similar light bulb moments we kind of talked about earlier. Uh, I had like a thought about a year or two in. Coincidentally, it's like when I started to follow Jordan Peterson and stuff like that. But uh, 
I had a thought to myself, like, bro, what is your life going to be like if you never stop this? If you go the rest of your life and you die still like this, you know, not like die soon, you still live a life or whatever, but like, this is, this is what your whole life is like marred by. And that freaked me out. You know, I, I knew I wouldn't be happy and I knew how painful it was and stuff like that. And it caused it. I had to go to such a dark place to get out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like, it's almost like I felt like I was drowning, but the only way to get out of it was to go to the very bottom of the ocean, you know? And like somehow by doing that, I was able to break out the other end or something like that. Um, and I dropped it all cold Turkey. Um, just by that thought of like, bro, what if you never stop? What is your life going to be like if you never stop? And that scared me enough to get me to stop. So that's probably the second time. Um, and I wrote a big article about that too, that did, that still does fairly well on Reddit. But, um, after that, um, probably in like 20, so two, three years later, 2016, 2017, actually probably like, yeah, yeah. 2016, 2017, like early, um, I was working at a fairly big, one of the few fairly big gyms here in Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, I, it was like a very financially successful gym. And it was one of the first times that I was making like pretty good money as an in-person trainer. Uh, and, but the owner and I would just butt heads constantly. Cause he was very much like, kind of like he projected like the business was built on like taking care of people and caring about people and stuff like that. But he actually didn't care about people at all. It's just cause he knew that fucking soul, he would say all this shit and it killed me how like disingenuous he was. So like every time he would say this shit, like it was just always like the most cliche stuff. Like it would rub me the wrong way. And in reality, I, it was probably me being immature, but I started to like kind of almost pick fights with them. I'm like, dude, you're full of shit. I was like, I realize that you're trying to take care of people, but like you were just taking advantage of people really. Um, like preying on them wanting to feel safe and, you know, uh, in a gym and stuff. Um, so I kept picking fights with them and I should have seen this happening, but I ended up getting fired. Right. And like, like imagine that, right. You keep picking fights with your boss. You're going to get fired. Um, and that led, and then suddenly I'm without a job, I'm without income, like all this other stuff. And so I pick up a few odd end jobs. And this is right before I met Slyvon, who got me into all the marketing stuff. And like working as a server and working as a server, you start drinking a lot. Just like, it's like the nature of the business, like at least down here. Um, and I fell into like, I got to the point where I was like drinking to the point of like getting semi plastered at work, like four or five days a week. Um, the same thing. Like I, I just got super caught up in that cycle. And the same thing happened where I'm like, dude, if you I'm like, because I have like a very addictive personality. I'm sure it's obvious at this point, but like, uh, same thing happened where I'm like, bro, if you don't take control of this, it doesn't mean like stop it forever. Like I still do drink, but like, like if you don't take control, if you keep letting a spiral, like everything you want to be is never going to happen. And that, that's like a very painful thing to accept. But it's like the, the fact, you know, and that's like a lot of people, right? Like a lot of people, like, you know, I'll start Monday. I'll start this, you know, like uh, I'm gonna start a business one day. I'm gonna write a book one day. But every time you put it off, as counterintuitive as it may sound, every every Monday you put off is upping the likelihood that you're going to die fat or you're going to die unhappy. You're going to die unfulfilled. And like that's like 
very much the case. Whether or not you do it or not, like the likelihood goes down, you know? So that was another topic I got kind of caught up in that. Luckily, right about the time that I decided to try to stop, uh, I met Slyvon and got thrust into a new career that went really, really well. And that might have saved me in some regard, you know what I'm saying? Uh, regardless, that was the time I found myself in a dark spot and had to kind of pivot out of it for, you know, self self-preservation almost you know yeah i think a lot of people go through some dark spots and like we can't live life without it and it's sort of how we see it like death happens personal struggles happen sickness illness happens like lack of self-discipline all these things and we can either take it as what the word is is failure but like that's just such a it's cliche because people use it as an excuse or we can take it as lessons but I want to take this yeah. and spin it a more positive way. And we're going to talk about the topic of joy, things that make you feel like genuinely fulfilled. It doesn't have to be tied to money or income, but just when you felt mm. like happy, what are the three times when you felt the very most happy? So that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I feel, I also feel selfish. I'm like doing so much talking, but, uh, Three times. Uh, so one time, which is more than one time, but one thing is, so I still play sports recreationally. I play flag football and stuff like that on a semi-competitive level. Um, and anytime I compete in anything, even if I just go play pickup basketball or something like that, I, I do feel very fulfilled and like almost like an active form of therapy for me. Like I genuinely enjoy competing. That's something that, that really does like, that is good for me mentally. And like, during that period where I was drinking a lot, I didn't do it as much and I didn't realize how much it negatively affected me. And then once I stopped, I started competing again. And just like the way it impacted me mentally, win or lose almost, you know, like losing fucking sucks, but like, like win or lose, like just go out there and trying. Uh, it's that's, that's a time that I feel, I always feel very, very good. Um, another time is like, so I've always, I've always been like a, a fairly talented writer, I hear, uh, even though I'm not as consistent as I wish I were. But anytime I write something and someone reacts to it positively, no matter, and, and it happens, whenever I, once again, egotistical, but whenever I do write, I get a lot of positive feedback. And no matter how many people or how many times it happens, like when someone tells me like, hey, dude, like this really impacted me, I, I, I feel both like very joyful, but I also feel like, hyper flattered and a lot and to the point where like like those people who say like i like they stand out for like the rest of my life you know since then like they they really stand out because it, it means so much to me when people say that stuff uh so not necessarily writing but whenever my writing does manage to impact somebody that i think that's such a powerful thing you know because they're just thoughts in my head you know uh, and I'm sure you you have a lot of that too, whether it's with your podcast or your post or working as a trainer, like whenever you genuinely like inspire impact in someone, I'm sure you feel similarly. Totally. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, I think a third time is like, so growing up, I didn't have a lot of support from my parents. Um, I grew up in like a very poor background and stuff. Then my parents were never bad. You know, I didn't have like a bad childhood necessarily, but like, uh, I didn't have much financial help at all, which is fine. A lot of people don't, but now that I'm okay off, like recently, like, uh, this isn't to brag at all, but like 
I bought my sister a car for her 16th birthday. And like, that was something that meant a lot. It was almost like a selfish thing because like, I wanted to give her something that I didn't have, you know? And same thing, like she went on a vacation recently. I think she's on it right now with her, her boyfriend. She didn't have the money. So I like paid for it and stuff like that. And that's something that, I know it's financial and you said not to do it necessarily money related, but it's not even that. It's just like providing something for her that I never had um, means a lot to me, you know, because I don't know, I guess I got to pay it forward type thing. Uh, so, yeah, I think those are three things that that mean a lot to me. There's a lot of good merit to doing something greater than yourself. What do you think it is that motivates you to like contribute to your sister, contribute to people in your life? I think, to be honest, I think maybe this is because it's undeveloped in my head, but like, I think to an extent, it's a selfish endeavor. I think it like validates things, you know, to like in some way, like it lets me know that I am helping or that like that I'm onto something or that I'm doing something right or like that it's not all a waste. Uh, Maybe that's actually it. It's like, like, bro, this is this actually does mean something that it is meaningful. Um, so it's like a valid, I guess that's what it is. It's the validation that what you're doing is meaningful. I think like that's, that's kind of like what it is at its core, but it's, it, it is a selfish thing. And it goes into that, that, that whole like dilemma, like if you're doing the right things for selfish reasons, is it still a good thing? You know? And I think a lot of times I think it is, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times when people give to charity, at the core of it is because they feel better for having done it, you know, and that's totally okay. You know, I think we need more people like that. I know you did that charity recently and I'm, so I'm not trying to say that's what you necessarily were doing. Uh, but I think we need more people that are willing to do that, whether it's because they know the person personally, or even if they don't, they just feel better helping in some regard. I think we need more people like that regardless of reason. Totally. I agree. So I want to talk about uh, being like really uncomfortable in your current situation and this can be financial and just think of like the one time when you're like holy shit what am I going to do and then what what did you do to move forward? So oh man uh, so I remember so that's that Slive on God worked with his he was a marketing consultant for a lot of fitness brands and he was doing pretty well for himself he and he caught me when i was at a low when i was going through like alcohol period and because of that because he helped in my head you know i attributed a lot of me climbing out of that to him lending me a hand and helping me help pull me out of it um so i was very very i felt very indebted to him and over time he was very successful and in the way that a lot of successful people are like everything kind of snowballs like very very fast so like, whereas he was like, he had a very manageable workload overnight because he was good. He had a very unmanageable workload and it started, it started to mess with him mentally, um, to the point that like anxiety and depression, everything started like in burnout, started all set in on him really fast. And, but because he, he, he's Filipino. So he comes from a very like traditional background, like very Philip or very traditional, like Filipino background where all his family, are, like nurses and doctors and stuff like that. So him showing emotion is something he was like taught to not do. Like you got to go to work anyway, you know, that kind of stuff. So with his work, he, he never really showed it, but because he and I were close, 
I could kind of like feel it that he was burning out and he was like feeling overwhelmed. And I tried very, very hard to keep him afloat for as long as I could. Um, now, unfortunately he just never bounced back. Like he kind of just like went AWOL and just legit just disappeared and ghosted a lot of his clients, which sucks. But, uh, but I tried really, really hard. Now during that period, and this wasn't on purpose, a lot of his clients saw me trying hard and doing things I had no business doing. Like I was, I would get on a call with a client that hadn't heard from him in a month and like ask them, ask, ask them what they need to be taken care of. And they'd like throw all this like technical stuff that I had no idea what it meant. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Like we can get that handled. And I got off the phone, have to Google half of it to see what that person even said to me, you know? Um, but because I did that, I think I, I rubbed a lot of those people the right way. So when Sla never came back, a lot of them offered me that contract, uh, which, you know, part of me feels like bad about, you know, or whatever, but I, like, I, I don't know, like I just, I just kind of fell into this business and when it all popped off was probably like March of last year, March, 2018. And, uh, like in that month I made just about like what I had made the year prior, you know what I'm saying? So like, I had this like feeling of like, I don't know if it was like imposter syndrome or like what it was, but like I had like a panic attack where I was like, like, yo, like I'm not doing anything different. All of a sudden I had like all these people throwing money at me and it freaked me out. And I remember talking to my friends about it and being like, tell them how I felt like, bro, I, like I'm having like panic attacks over this shit. Not cause like, I don't think I can do it, but because I feel like, like I'm not doing anything different. Why is this happening? You know? And, uh, they're like, well, you know, you've been working really hard and all this other stuff. I'm like, no, I haven't been doing anything different. Um, and what kind of helped me get out of it was like realizing that like it was something like uh, what's it's like that quote like uh, like pick up. I don't know. What, I don't know what the quote is, but like something like you know, like pick up the heaviest load you can and like carry it. You know, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Like. So I was like, okay, like this is the load I'm carrying right now. Like I have all these people like depending on me and I'm just, I'm going to try my hardest and see what happens rather than stressing out about it. Like, let's just try hard and see what happens. And it, it went well, but that was a time which I was like, which is, it's, which is crazy. Cause like, it's so usually it's like I woke up and I was broke or I had no money or whatever. Like it was like very much the inverse for me, but it was such a paradigm shift, I guess, where it was just so much like it felt like undue sort of like, I think a lot of, not to compare myself, but I think a lot of like celebrities deal with that, that like explode real quick and get like very famous really fast. And they a lot of men up on drugs and shit like that. It's cause like when things like blow up in front of your face, like in a good way, that's hard too, you know, even though it's like a definitely a first world problem and like, it sounds like you're crying over nothing, but like it is like hard to handle that. Totally. So I think, yeah, that's definitely, Yeah. What's the story between how behind how you got started with uh, Stronger You Nutrition? Mm, yeah, so that was actually right before. So that 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 added to it for sure. I got hired there in like November 2017. Uh, I was working with Sly on that part time scale, and I uh, I'm real close friends with a guy named Tanner Baves. I don't know if you know who that is, but uh, he's their content director and communications wizard, or where the fuck he is, you know. And um, he and I are very, very close friends. And they were looking to hire or bring on coaches because Stronger You has blown up in the last few years. Like, 
like ridiculously actually. And they were looking for coaches. He knew I was a good coach and kind of just hooked me up with a job. So what's weird is I, uh, I was actually at a mastermind in New York city. Um, and Mike Dola, the owner was there and I didn't know who he was, but he and I got sat at a table next to each other. So he and I just started talking and kind of like bro it out where like boys had a lot of similar interests and similar personalities, similar like sense of humor and stuff like that. And he was a, he's a really interesting guy because he got up on, they did what's called hot seat. So you go up there and you talk about your business and what your business is working on and everybody just criticizes it, hopefully in a constructive way. And you come away with something, you know, to build upon. So he gets up there and he starts talking about Stronger You, which a lot of us had never heard of. I've never, I didn't know who he was. I just figured there was just, I figured he was kind of like a new dude starting a business or something. I don't know what I thought. And he gets up there and he starts talking about how like, um, he pulls up his website and his website is shit. Um, he pulls up his sales page. He doesn't have one. It's just like a, for pricing, email like stronger you at yahoo.com or something like that. And um, everybody's like, oh, bro, like this is terrible, which it was, you know. But then they're like, then uh, the dude who was running the mastermind asked me, he's like, uh, so how many clients do you have right now? And he's like, oh, 6,000. And everybody's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they're like, he's like, how much money did you last year if you don't mind me asking that he's like four million dollars and people were like and he didn't have an email list like he has nothing and he starts talking about how like similar to what i kind of said earlier but like he starts talking about how like his big thing is his customer service and taking care of the people and not out pricing like the demographic which a lot of coaches price too much online and or price too high rather um and he just starts like just talking about like taking care of people and like giving out your phone number and, and not living in responses and having quick response times and like being nice and shit like that and not talking down to people. Um, and I remember Sly at the time, like he was there too. And he actually looks back to me and he's like, dude, this guy knows what the fuck he's talking about. And so we just kind of became friends. A few months later, Tanner gets hired on as the communications guy mentions. They're looking to hire coaches. I'm helping out Sly, but I'm also like not, you know, necessarily, rich at the time and so uh going for what i thought was an interview and mike was just kind of like all right dude you're in you know uh and that's kind of how i i got on like i just had a good relationship that's really what it was like i had quote unquote networked but not really i just became friends with two people and that kind of led to a job that's crazy that's a cool story and it kind of like goes into my next topic which is like impressions of people first impressions and you're someone who's met a lot of people really quickly and what are three things that stand out to you on impressions which like what defines a bro versus a no for you yeah yeah (laughs) um i don't like uh it sucks because like i realize that a lot of the things that turn me off when it comes to first impressions are not always bad things is maybe it's sometimes people like just don't know what they're saying and they're like they're they're read they're doing what they read like you can get online and like google like how to network and people read their seven tips on how to make friends at conferences or whatever uh but when people come up and you can tell it like they don't, don't even care to be talking to you they're they're talking to you to like check a box like they're talking to you to like oh i'm gonna talk to every presenter or i'm gonna talk to like you know, six people are there. Like, like they're just trying to check boxes. Like they don't care who the fuck you are. And you can like, you can smell it a mile away. I remember the first time I ever went to the fitness summit, you were there. I wish we would have talked more. Um, 
the first time I went to one, Eric Bach and I had met, and the first <laughs> the first thing like we're sitting next to each other, and like I forget what happens, but like some boring speaker comes up, and he just like we just ha- we hadn't even talked, we were just sitting next to each other. He like leans over to me and he's like, "Dude, you want to get fucked up?" And I'm like, "Yes," you know, and we just like bounce and we go to like then we got tacos and margaritas and stuff, um, and I don't know like because that was such a a genuine moment. You could tell, like he was just like. He 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 felt the way that probably forty percent of the audience at the time like yeah I'm not really trying to hear this and it was just I don't know it was like a real moment and we went out and had fun and talked and stuff like that whereas like the inverse would be like you you know you have like the the social hour and people come to you and like like so where are you located and you know what's your what's your demographic and what's your what's your mission statement and shit like that and like bro get the fuck away from me you know and I don't say that you know because like, I realize that a lot of people they're trying they're not bad you know they're not necessarily being fake it's just like i don't know it just turns me off you know um and luckily i never did that because i i probably I, don't, I think you're probably like this too like because it's just like a vapid way to be that like i never wanted to be that guy um same as like you get starstruck you go and you see brett Contreras for the first time or something and you're just like awestruck uh i i tried never to be that way and it, it's not even to say that people who are bad or anything like that, because I really, it's supernatural. Um, but you're going to leave a better impression if you're not a lot of the time. Totally. I like that. How do you think your improv experience contributed to your career today? So <laughs> I think, um, I think I think it kind of helped me. I don't know. It, it was probably a good thing and a bad thing. It helped me a lot with kind of understanding people, I guess. Uh, because whenever you're doing improv, you're like you're on stage with someone else, usually, and so a lot of what you're saying is reacting off the other person. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's one of the. It's actually one of the rare times that you're talking and you're actually basing everything you say in a good way off everything the other person says whereas a lot of times people in conversation are completely like waiting for a chance to say their stuff you know they're like oh yeah like i did this and it was super exciting and then someone else is like oh yeah i did that too and it's really exciting you know what i'm saying like it's like just waiting for the chance to say me too or something so i think it kind of helped me really play off other people in a constructive way to like add to the conversation as opposed to just be a part of the conversation um and also not only are you reacting off the person, you're also reacting off the audience. So if you say something and it's, and it's a dud, and you, you, you can feel when the audience is, is just trickling off. And most of my stuff was like comedic, so it was funny. So you get like an audible laugh if it's good, and you get silence if it sucks. Um, so if you kind of feel what you're saying starting to trend downwards, like you can feel it really fast. Um, and I think that helped me. You know, because also when that's happening, like you have two decisions. You can just keep riding that train, just ride into the dirt, or you can check yourself and be like, okay, what I'm doing right now sucks. We need to change it up. And I think that's a really valuable thing is kind of checking yourself. And it's a really organic, active way of doing that. So you're reacting off the other actor, trying to be constructive, and also like constantly checking yourself based on feedback and, and not taking the feedback to heart. Because you, you'll see other people too who like, when things aren't funny and they think they're supposed to get funny, they'll get super frustrated or like uh, insecure. They'll climb up or something like that. And you can't, because if you can't, if you do that, everything's just going to get worse. 
So you have to try to like make it better. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And that's not always like, I don't know, talking Kansas City was improv, you know? It was completely improv. Um, and that I, there was a lot of times during that talk that like, I, and I should have prepared better to be honest, but uh, that I had to kind of change it up a little bit because I could kind of feel, you know, based on what the audience, how they react, were reacting. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably how improv has helped me. It's just taking feedback constructively and trying to add to a conversation as opposed to just being a part of it. Well, it's like the art of communication. Probably. I think a lot of people that host or guest on a lot of podcasts will learn that the better you get at like actually cultivating a conversation versus like manufacturing a conversation. Because like most of my episodes yeah, are yeah. completely off script and I'll just like be thinking as you're talking and then come up with my next question based on what you've told me. And it's taught me so much about yeah, yeah, like yeah. talking to other people and like understanding where other people are coming from and what I can offer to them, what they're offering to me versus if I came in with yeah. like this script, then I would get nothing out of it. I would get nothing from you. You would get nothing from me kind of thing. What's, what's your favorite thing about, cause what, what episode are you on right now? This is episode 54. Okay, cool. So what, what is your favorite thing so far about having the podcast and stuff? I am a big uh, advocate for like communicating like really honestly with people, like having very genuine conversations and relationships with people because like I, I try to mix up the guests so that it's like a local Edmonton, then out of Edmonton, then a really well-known, then a not so well-known just to advocate for the fact yeah. that like you can get value from anybody in your life. It's just how you approach your life in which like tells you how much value you'll get yeah 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 i noticed that about you that was i was talking to my girlfriend about it and uh because i told her i was going on this um and i was like i'll tell you what i like about it is that i didn't recognize like most of the names that have been on his podcast like because sometimes it's like the same thing it's like tony Genelcore and lee boyce and dean dean i know you've, you've had dean somerset uh but it's like the same people over and over i really like that you had varying people yeah like it's I definitely cool, I definitely yeah. don't want to mirror the fitness devil because like Dean and Andrew like they're they're good friends of mine and there's no sense doing the yeah. exact same thing that they've done and I definitely believe that yeah. the way in which I ask questions is gonna give you a completely different idea of these people and it's gonna bring value in my individuality like I really promote being yourself because I think it, you can't mm. say it enough times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, your yours definitely has a very different vibe. Theirs is great too. I, I really like Dean and Andrew. Um, yeah, are, do you live close to them? Are you all in the same city? Yeah, we're all in Edmonton. So I train my clients at the same gym oh, okay, as cool. Andrew, and for a few months, like eight months or something, I worked out of the same gym as Dean, and like he actually helped yeah, me yeah, get yeah. the job there. So he's been a big like he's come in clutch for me many times in my career. Dean's a really good guy. I like him. He's a little, he's a little quirky, but I really like him. Quirks are good, man. Quirks are good. <laughs> Dude, they are. They are. They, they really, really. It, it makes you kind of stand out. Like Dean is not a forgettable guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he will never bullshit you, and that's why you got to keep guys like that close. He will never mess no. with you. Never try and manipulate you. If he supports or opposes something, mm -hmm. he means it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that that stuff's invaluable because everybody's 
it's a rare it's a rare, uh, an increasingly rare trait yeah um so my next question is something that i ask all of my guests and it's if you could give one piece of advice on how to live your life authentically to the fullest what would that piece of advice be okay so that that one's actually easy um i think it would be to like check yourself like a lot you know what i'm saying in terms of like how you feel and stuff like that like so to give an example like my brother is going through like a really bad breakup right now like he was dating this girl for like two two and a half years and it was just toxic and they finally split up and um he texted me at like 3 a.m last night like like because he's like he uh he's very codependent by nature um and he's like dude i'm trying so hard not to like creep her fucking social media you know but it's so hard you know and I texted, I didn't, I wasn't awake. So I texted him, I'm like, dude, I hope you didn't, you know, you're on the streak of doing really well. Like, you know, don't break the chain. You know, you have the streak going, don't break it. And he's like, you're right. Like she has no power over me anymore. Like whatever. And, uh, like I'm fine. I'm like, dude, well, I mean, she probably does have some power over you, you know, in the same way, like any recent relationship does. I was like, so it's not about her being powerless. It's about you being stronger than that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and once we got talking, he's like, no, you're right, actually. Like, so yeah, dude, it's like, like, don't demean something or belittle something just because you're trying to overcome it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's a big deal. Like, breakups are hard. But but what makes, you know, it, it's special when you get past it is it's not that it was an easy thing to overcome. It's that, that it was hard and you overcame it anyway. And I think a lot of things are like that. Like, if you're not happy with your life, like, check that. If you're mad about something, check that, like, because we, we all start to justify like our feelings and emotions and stuff like that. But underneath that justification is like the real reason a lot of the time. Um, and the only way to really discover that is to like check yourself and to dig and to see why you're doing what you're doing. Um, Carl Jung has a really, really cool quote that I've always really liked. Uh, and of course I can't remember the exact wording, but it's, it's something to the tune of uh, until the unconscious becomes conscious uh, it'll continue to control our lives and we'll chalk it up as fate or something like that. Cause a lot of, a lot of these unconscious thoughts are driving the ship. You know what I'm saying? Um, and until we check those things and make them conscious, bring them to the light, they're going to control our life. And we're just going to assume it's like fate. You know what I'm saying? Um, in the book, uh, Oh, forget the book. Oh man. I think it's Jonathan Haidt, uh, Righteous Mind. So what that is, uh, he he compares it to like uh, an elephant or a rider and an elephant. You know what I'm saying? Like your conscious mind is the rider and your unconscious mind is the elephant. To a certain degree, the elephant's gonna do what the fuck it wants. But as a rider, if you are very in tune with the fact that you're on top of an animal right now, that you can kind of drive it in the right direction. It's gonna react the way it wants to react. In the same way, you can't necessarily control your emotions, like you said. Like when you're mad you're meant to be mad when you're sad you're meant to be sad when you're happy you're meant to be happy and once you become aware of that fact you can ride it constructively you know happy is easy good days are easy but how do you act when days are really bad how do you act when you're really mad how do you act when you're really sad like that's when th- that's when you start to get kind of get control of things i like that that was uh so that that's my advice people check yourself it's a good one yeah i have one more question for you What's the thing that happened in the last seven days that you're the very most proud of? That I'm most proud of. Um, so, 
so I, I, I'm part of like a long distance relationship right now with my girlfriend. I live in Louisville, Kentucky. She lives right outside of Boston and Massachusetts. Um, I'm, and I'm up here visiting her right now. And one thing that I'm really proud of that. So early on in our relationship, there were a lot of, and I think a lot of people do this in relationships, the take a lot of things for granted. Um, and I, I was very much prone to that. I would take for granted a lot of things about her. We went through a really rocky period, um, including last year on her birthday, uh, where I just didn't give her like the thought necessary or not, ne not necessary that isn't the right word, but like that she deserved. And this year, her birthday just came and stuff like that. And I, I didn't take it for granted. You know what I'm saying? I tried to like give her the birthday she deserved and like be thoughtful and like take care of her and stuff like that. And that's something I really thought of because that doesn't come natural. Like sometimes I think I'm like a little selfish and self-absorbed. Like I think a lot of us are, right? Just by nature, like naturally. But stopping to slow down and to like really kind of live in the moment and think of her first during that day um, is something I'm really proud of because hopefully it meant a lot to her. And taking that time meant a lot to me. So that's something I'm proud of. And I, I think she had a good birthday. So I'm pretty proud of that. That's awesome. Focusing on the little things. I like that answer because like, you could have chosen so many things and that's the thing you chose and that's the kind of person I am too. So obviously that resonated with me. Yeah. So For it's sure. been, yeah, I think we have a lot of similarities. Yeah. Totally. It's been a sweet, awesome yeah. chat today. So thanks for joining me. For sure, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening. I want to challenge you to something because I swear every time that I do one of these intros and outros, it's like I'm standing in the middle of a field and like, hello, and listening to my own echo. So this time, and I know it's a lot to ask, but if you listen to the episode, I want you to share it in your Instagram story with the caption, boop, B-O-O-P. That's how I know that you made it to the end. And if you do that, then my heart will grow like five sizes thanks as always for the support you can always rate this on uh, apple podcasts i heard itunes is going out the into the garbage so i gotta get better with uh what i'm saying podcasts goes on because they are done with itunes soon if you still have it score if you don't you can find this podcast on apple podcasts spotify google play you can Google The Lifestyle Chase. You can Google Chris Little. You can probably Google Nick Sorrell, and you're going to find all kinds of different stuff. But, I mean, it, it never hurts. Probably try and, like, clarify a little bit. Like, add in Louisville or something like that, or um, really smart guy named Nick Sorrell. Google that. And hopefully, fingers crossed. And don't forget to listen to NF. Woo-woo! Thanks for listening.